We're still okay. Okay, great. Yes, overall, we're here for the three budget resolutions for the 2013 budget. Just to recap, we have the general fund budget, which is a little over $22 million for the operating budget, and less than $10 million for the capital budget. It's a balanced budget over a five-year period, and there's a surplus of nearly $400,000 projected over that five-year period. So, given that, the only other little piece of information I want to talk about is that the capital plan is funded with 46% of our sales tax. So, that's something I think the public doesn't generally know. Any questions on the overall budget itself before we go to some of the additional things? John, do you have any presentation materials here for us? We don't have anything on the screen. No, we're not projecting anything. We just have the printouts. Okay. Which are shown in the resume. Any questions? Board? There have been two changes to the budget numbers that we presented a week ago. At the very end of November, we had the final evaluation numbers for property values, and with these final evaluations and the last-minute calculations, we do end up with about $36,000 more in property tax revenue in the general fund operations than what we originally showed you. So, as John was saying, our surplus over the five-year plan for general fund is about $400,000. So, there was an increase in the amount of surplus that we have. And then the second change to the budget is the addition of $250,000 in the airport budget. That staff would like to set aside a line item one time to be used for design guidelines and a transportation and transit study now that the master plan has been approved for the airport. Are there questions on these two changes? Yes, George? Maybe you can, I see Brian's here, give us a better idea in terms of why we're allocating the $250,000, and will that be specifically used for the 2013 budget? And if so, how will that actually be used? I think I'll let Brian speak. Brian Griffey, Assistant Director of Aviation Administration at the airport. That's really just a placeholder to answer your question. We haven't done a thorough analysis of what it's going to cost, so essentially nothing more than a placeholder for those two studies. It will be performed, or the plan will be performed in 2013. It won't be a reoccurring cost, but it's to set the terminal, or excuse me, the design guidelines are to set what the county would like in overall development of the airport. And if I could add on to what Brian's talking about, you may recall that there were two recommendations for follow-up upon adoption of the master plan because the board had not yet made a decision on whether to move forward with the airport master plan. We didn't include the further planning items in the budget. But the transportation study was an item that was requested through the planning commission discussions 
to um, explore whether there were, um, as we go into further future planning um, for, you know, whether it be development on the east side with the terminal um, or potentially even on, on the west side with the second FBO, whether there were some best practices um, for encouraging use of public transportation. And so that could be a range of options, um, many of which we may not even know exist yet, which is the purpose of the study. But for example, uh, it could be everything from how do we link our existing transit in to um, are there opportunities for logistics uh, so that maybe there's a, a luggage delivery service that uh, would mean the use of public transport would be more attractive to those traveling if they didn't have to haul all their bags and skis and, and gear onto the bus. All of those items have certain design elements that are associated with them, either for a facility so to accommodate logistics or for um, how the, the different components of how people are moving from the airport to their, their final destination, whether it be through shuttle, taxi, bus, uh, rental car, those sorts of things. But we, I think one of the requests was to ensure that as we move forward considering the design um, and, and how that facility is laid out, that we examine the best practices in, in transportation and, and how, how best to move people. So that's one element. And that came directly out of, uh, I think, the discussions with the Planning Commission. The other item uh, is one that uh, we talked about, uh, not in detail, but we talked about as a next step during the planning process, which is design guidelines, which is where you get in to the um, more specifically into the look, feel, um, design of what a uh, future terminal would look like. I believe, and Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, if these design guidelines would also uh, apply on the west side for any future um, development, should there be one for a fixed-based operator. And what we've always discussed was we, we needed to, you know, we've done the space reservation. This is taking it to the next step where we would then figure out, you know, what do we want the look and feel to be like and, and also um, bringing the um, design elements to a certain degree of completion so we can begin to nail down really what is that size, what is it going to look like, what is it going to feel like. And what we do is come back in January um, with a staff recommendation and probably a more uh, re refined um, budget as far as how we proceed with those two processes, uh, including you know, how we had set up citizen advisory or recommend setting up citizen advisory committees again, um, what type of expertise we need to, to run both of those studies uh, appropriately. But we felt it appropriate since the terminal, or since the airport master plan was adopted, that we go ahead and, and acknowledge that these are the next steps that um, have, have been identified and that we put a placeholder in and then we'd come back and have a discussion with the board in January about specifically how we're moving forward. Rachel? Yeah, you know, I can understand all that, but I guess I have an inclination to want to let the dust settle for a teeny bit, you know, 
and maybe come back and do this as a supplemental in 2013 when we have those specifics and when we have plans and when we take a look at it. You know, sometimes, you know, not always, but sometimes when you put a placeholder in of a certain amount, your bids from your potential clients are going to come in really close to that. And I don't want to set that as uh, a benchmark of, quote, what we're willing to spend to accomplish these things. And again, I, I, I'd like to have a little bit of time um, to think about the next steps and how I, I'd be more comfortable if I knew how we're going to engage the community, what steps we're going to take, and um, you know, maybe have you guys go out for a request for qualifications and help shape that first. But this is a little cart in front of the horse for me. Not that I'm opposed to it and not that I think that um, it's eventually going to be the appropriate step, but I would myself prefer to do it as a supplemental later rather than you know, include it in the budget now. Rob, can someone answer the question what the disadvantage is to doing it as a supplemental budget? Because I had the same thought process too. Yeah. <laughs> On letting it just settle a little bit as opposed to yeah. saying, well, Last week we supported the master plan, and this week we're starting to spend money on it. <laughs> well, I, I I think there was a couple lines of, of thought there. Um, one, we could certainly do it as a supplemental. I, I think we had spelled out as next steps, specifically uh, doing design guidelines. You know, in anticipation that we may have an interested party. Um, that now that the, the master plan is adopted, who, who may want to, um, you know, submit a proposal to us that um, this is more of the due diligence that um, the, the county has identified um, as, as being important for implementation of that, that master plan so that we start to um, engage in that process and show our intent to engage in that process. Um, before we receive or accept any proposals, um, for example, on the west side. So um, I, I think that you know one re one reason, Rob, is, is certainly that that you know certainly we what we've been telling folks who are interested is um, you know we we have the the planning process that we're moving through and we're doing our, our due diligence and, and good faith and that. Um, you know, we're, we're not accepting proposals until uh, those processes are complete. So I think, you know, because we had identified that as a, a next step and an important implementation step, we, we wanted to be upfront that, you know, well, yes, we didn't include it. We made a conscious decision not to include it um, in our earlier budget proposals simply because it wasn't clear that, you know, that the board had adopted the master plan. Now that the board has, it is staff's recommendation that you know we, we continue forward with that due diligence. All that said, um, you know, if, if the board would prefer that we um, put a little bit more detail uh, into this and, and come back and handle it as a supplemental, that certainly an option that's available to the board. Again, I think we just wanted to be sure that we were showing our due diligence and intent to move forward specifically with those design guidelines. George? Yeah, I understand. And it seems like there's there's two different um, uses. One would be, uh, it's almost 
I would view it almost sort of like a sub-area master plan in terms of better defining what what a, an additional FBO would look like based on, on the master plan as one part. And the other part is this transportation aspect of it. And, and that's, that doesn't seem to be as... Uh, um, critical right now um, because that's tied more to perhaps not only the existing terminal and, and, and existing movement but perhaps future terminal and and one thing I'm a little concerned about is uh, similar to what we uh, got into with the discussion with the EOTC in regards to the underpass and the overruns is uh, those a lot of some of those overruns were caused by requests uh, by citizens to look at different variations. So this is a request put from the PNZ, but I'm not sure that they have actually understood sort of the costs that are equated with those requests and things like that. Well, if I could step back, too. I, I, I want to be clear that the design guidelines are for the terminal area and would also apply on, on the west side. Okay, I focused on the west side because that's where um, we're reliant, as we had talked about, that potential development pressures there um, may come based on request. And so that's why we wanted to be ahead of that curve. But the design would apply to the terminal area. And the reason that transportation is important is what we find in that transportation study could affect the physical design elements of, of that terminal area. So we, we do see those going together contemporaneously. Um, and. It, it, I, I think there's going to be a lot of commonality in terms of those design elements and, and look and feel in the terminal area as well as what happens um, west side. But again, um, I, I agree. We were jumping on the tran transport side because that is a, a comment that the board had um, specifically asked to, to be included in, in the master plan. It was included in the master plan. And because it could affect other design elements, I think on either side, actually, east or, or west side, that we felt that that needed to be done contemporaneously with the, the design guidelines. Rachel? You know, again, I understand all that. Yeah. But I don't want this to be or to be perceived as being hurried. And just putting a supplemental with a plug number and not having any other levels of detail to me feels hurried and I don't I don't want that and um, you, you know we're middle of December now this sounds silly I'm sure but I'd love to see us get through a successful busiest month of the year at the airport through January 1st no radars going out <laughs> no nothing you know have all that done rather than saying I want you guys to be spending X amount of time developing these requests for proposals for a transportation study and new design guidelines and reviewing the bids that come in and things like that and I just think that it is still good faith uh, you know I'm not even sure usually our ordinances take 30 days to take effect as opposed to I'm not sure on the master plan if that's the same timeline but it just to me the citizens who participated in our working groups gave so much time 
and so much energy and to be kind of in a position of saying, hey, we're starting right away again. We want you to be reinvolved. We want new people to be reinvolved. Uh, we're going to start having meetings and, you know, that quickly. It's, it's just too fast. And, um, you know, I want us to run on our schedule and not on the schedule or the timelines of, quote, potential bidders. And I think we are moving it forward in a thoughtful and timely fashion, but I'm just not comfortable with a plug number. I'd much rather do a supplemental. I'd much rather have a large full work session first on, you know, how we're proceeding to find the consultants, how we're keeping the consultants on budget, how many meetings we expect out of the consultants, what our resources are going to be, and even us adding some initial input to that process. Um, I mean, I, I, I think there's just some initial input, not that we're going to design it, but, and so I, that's just my feeling on it. Jen? A question and then a comment. Um, from perspective of master planning for the airport and what it costs to do that master plan, wasn't that over $2 million? We had uh, FAA dollars um, to to accomplish that. I don't have the final. Do you guys? Well, Brian, do you? I'd have to double check. On yeah, and I'm not asking specifically, but I know there was a, gr a large grant, and I assume that always requires, you know, a match, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've collectively invested a huge amount of money on this, and but I, somewhere, and I could not find it. I thought we. <coughs> had some planning monies left over from that exercise. Somewhere, something popped in my brain, and, and I certainly, you know, after all the hours of preparation and meetings, I have no way to trace it. Is that a, is that factual? Do we have any of those monies still left over from yeah. those resources? We would, you know, even even if. We did, Jack. Those would still have to be appropriated. So they either need to come because appropriations okay. are about permission to, to spend. And so right. um, those would, would accumulate in fund balance. But like I said, you know, if, if, if it's the board's desire to bring this back in, in a supplemental and for us to um, put more detail on it, we can certainly do that. We'll probably want to do that earlier. Uh, next year, um, you know, early on in, in 2013, we can do it that way. Again, I, I think our concern was staying ahead of the curve. Um, you know, should should somebody be interested in, in doing business and making sure that we had that due diligence uh, in, in place. But, you know, can we still do that with the supplemental? In January, after a work session, I, I think we can, but in good faith, because this is where we thought we needed to, to go, we, we felt it was appropriate to include um, some some funding or request, and for 2013. Yeah, and so my comment, if I might, um, I, I think Rachel's hit a home run here in bringing this up because. Um, it really seems that the board ought to have some work session time to be determined, uh, setting the stage for that. We're, we, the county, the commissioners, are driving this bus. Because there's pressure for five years about a second or third or whatever FBOs, we understand what that is. But, but we're really not going 
to be ready until we say we're ready. And I think it makes great sense to have work session time. You also have an additional, a new commissioner. Um, and, you know, just incorporate it all and move forward. I don't think we lose that much by going into January. So I would support Rachel's request. Well, I, I support it as well. But I'll also point out that in our memo, it says nothing about FBOs here. It says design guidelines for future terminal plan and transportation study, which to me is sending the complete wrong message. If this had said, you know, 100 grand for design guidelines for our new FBO, I would say, yeah, that's something that we're committed to, but I think it's jumping way too quick on the terminal in terms of where we're going. And I'd rather see it as a supplemental budget with more discussion in January. I don't mind doing it early January, just it needs more discussion. Okay. So we will not include the $250,000 in the budget, but look forward to having work sessions and uh, time aside for to decide exactly how much we will be. Yes? Thank you. I thought you were wrapping it up, and so we're, we're going to need a, a vote on all of these, obviously. But Sorry, I was jumping again. Maybe when we were asked, is there any questions on the general fund, I certainly should have brought this up. Um, the only outstanding issue for me in the general fund is the Energy Smart program and the state grant goes away. Have we started doing some brainstorming as to how we might keep that program alive? You know, we've granted out the X amount of money. Now, I, we don't have a, a report here, but George, I'm sure you're familiar with CORE, you know, the work they've been doing, et cetera, granting uh, various <laughs> individuals and entities. Um, so have we thought about, you know, has there been any internal discussions about, well, what What's next? How are we going to try to keep this program alive? We certainly don't have a federal solution to the original problem about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all, you know, doing the actual pure energy smart program. But this this grant has been a great bridge, you know, kept got us going with three counties cooperating and all that. So. Yeah, so, Jack, the, the budget right now does not include um, additional funding, for example, um, now or in the future um, to support Energy Smart. I do understand that um, CORE working with our other partners uh, in, in the other counties um, are trying to evaluate because part of what that grant was really about was it, I, I always likened it to almost a research and development grant where yeah, we were ramping up programs, trying to see which programs um, had enough value in in the communities that they were offered, where they could be supported either through folks who are, are willing to us <coughs> or maybe local government entities like us saw enough value in them to, to support them in the future. It's been difficult because we haven't had um, that analysis or recommendations come back. I think that's something that core staff is working on with the 
uh, energy smart staff from the other communities and will probably be a proposal there will probably be a proposal in some form uh, that we'll see in the future but we really didn't have anything to, to base future projections on and whether those would be supported by alternative revenue sources, whether they needed um, some some public support for those, we just don't know. Uh, and, and so we don't have anything set aside right now. I will say because of the reorganizations that we did, we don't have any internal future um, liabilities you know, hanging out there where, for example, we have a position that was previously grant supported that we have to figure out those decisions were made uh, earlier on. And so um, I, I would expect that we'll probably see uh, some some reports and we may even see some requests and we'll have to evaluate those when we get them. And Michael, may I ask one? George, have you all, meaning at CORE, thought about accessing any state energy funds? I mean, we've, been, we've benefited before and, and certainly you know, this is just, it's developing because the grant, the big, the major grant goes away, and I totally would agree with where we're at. You know, you can't plan for something that you don't have any facts. But, you know, there's one avenue there, whatever. So you're investigating multiple possibilities. Yeah, as John stated, uh, core staff is looking at this with our other partners with Eagle County and, and Gunnison to, to see if and how and what sort of program may um, develop out, out of this original grant. Yeah. Well, good. I, I appreciate the heads up and something that will come on the table at an appropriate time. Oh, do you mind if I no, just add on? Yeah, and Jack, we've also uh, been talking to CORE, looking at the the various plans that we've done historically for you know our energy plans and such to see if there are ways for us to to partner more effectively to achieve those goals. And so that could mean a, a different financial relationship in the future. I don't think um, you know, it's something, again, that's that's right yet. Yeah, good. Thanks for the explanation. Rachel? Thank you. Um, Jack reminded me of something I've meant to ask about, and it's tangentially related into this budget. There's a hearing that I may have I missed, but I'm not sure if this was discussed or not, with the City of Aspen on the joint housing funds. But I was reading in the paper over the weekend that the City's Canary Initiative is going forward with the energy improvements on units as they sell and turn over and adding the cost of those improvements to the base of the unit going forward. Did our, I mean, I know we had a discussion once and our concerns were raised, my concerns were raised, I never really heard anything back as to whether these were addressed, but the, the article referenced that Pickin County had to sign off on the program because we're joint owners in the deed restrictions through the housing office of all units. And I just was kind of wondering, I didn't remember us signing off on the idea that, you know, a $200,000 unit would be raised to two hundred and ten dollars or two hundred five dollars for the next sale. And, you know, my concern was the that, that price increase would go on forever, but the value of the improvements may only last five or ten years at most. So um, probably you know, probably <coughs> outside the, the budget discussion, my understanding um, was that, yes, the, the city was moving forward, but only on units for which they um, had, to which, for which the deed restriction ran to the benefit of the, uh, of the city, and that they if they did want to expand it, 
in the future expand the program that it would require them to come come back to us. That that was the last discussion. That was some time ago, kind yeah, of following yeah. that that initial discussion. That um, what I know that sometimes newspaper staff. articles are a little bit of a shorthand, but I, we we can investigate that yeah. further. I just wanted yeah. to see. But if they would need to come back um, to if the deed restriction runs to the county's benefit. We need to sign off on, on that change. Yes, well, back to the questions about our budgets resolutions here. What I'd like to, I, we only allocated a half hour for this today, but what I'd like to see in second reading, and this is just our first reading, because I think it's really important for a public explanation to this, because it took me four times going over it to what I think I understand fully, because we're talking about. And this is the, the Exhibit A on the mill levies and stuff like that, explaining the tax years because we're looking at the 2013 revenue, which is for the 2012 tax year. And then and there's a comparison to the current year, but it doesn't say, you, you know, you think of the current year as 2012, but the current year is really 2011 because it's the revenue from two, for 2012, which is really last year, not this year. Um, and we are, you know, you, one of the things that you mentioned in your your, your short uh, uh, explanation of some of the things is that the valuation slightly changed. Here we've got a valuation of, of $2.7 trillion and is it trillion dollars? Billion dollars. Is that billion? It's billion dollars. It's trillion dollars. It's trillion. Trillion. So we go over a little bit. But you know how that number and how these numbers compare to the resolution that we signed a year ago. This is only my second year going through a budget process, but this to me is 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 important information for if someone is ever going to look at Granicus and go back to, well, what is it that they actually did with their budgets to maintain the um, you know as these resolutions all kind of state that this is. You know, us raising money in order to run the needed necessities of government going forward to the next year. So this is kind of the heart of things. And I don't, you know, given our schedule today, I don't think, um, you know, I think we can do this in second reading. But I do think we should put this up on the screen, show it on TV, and go through how these mill levies have changed. Because you'll see that the the current year refunds are dramatically different than the refunds that we're looking for because we're trying to maintain some of the revenues and those funds that we can maintain with the valuations changing um, year to year. But I think that's an important exercise to go through for disclosure to the public. What, what if I we could prepare some time for that when we, when we go through second reading. What, what I can tell you is that there's very little change in the valuation uh, that you're seeing here and what we brought last year. And the reason for that is that it was not a revaluation year. Yeah. And so the values have remained, remained almost unchanged. Of course, there are slight differences. Um, but there are not large changes just because there was not that the revaluation yet. Okay. If that's a reasonably uh, request for, you know, for the no, board. I, I okay. You know, the purpose of these public hearings is so the public is informed. And when we have uh, charts and they're projected on the screen and on grassroots, it helps people. And so I, I agree with Rob. And, and we should just be prepared to do that at any time. 
and particularly when we have complex issues like the budget. How are we doing, Kaylin? How are we doing? Okay. Um, is there um, <clears throat> a motion? So we have to take these one at a time. Yes. So I'll make a motion to approve <laughs> a resolution summarizing revenues and expenditures for each fund and adopting a budget for Pickney County, Colorado for the calendar year 2013. Is there a second? Second. That as amended to eliminate the supplemental. Right. We need to reduce the airport expenditures by two hundred and fifty thousand. Thank you, as amended. They're shown in these resolutions. Correct. Any further discussion? Yes, Jack. Yeah, I'm just going to make a couple comments. It will be for all the resos. Um, I want to absolutely compliment staff on the budget process this year. I thought last year was just phenomenal. It was the best budget process I'd ever gone through as an elected official. This year we've done equally well, but different reasons. But just following through, refining, being more efficient, the way the book worked, etc. Just hats off to John Connie, finance staff, section leaders, department heads, and our guru over there, John Peacock. Uh, really great job, everyone. And uh, even I'm mostly comfortable with the budget, so life is good here. Okay, any other comments? All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. So is there a motion for the uh, resolution appropriating sums of money to the various funds, is that where we are? Yes. Yeah. Uh, various funds for Pickens County, Colorado, 2013 budget year. So moved. Second. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. And that would also be with the adjustment. I'm assuming all of these are, because that's got the airport yes. fund in mm -hmm. it as well. So. <clears throat> and the third motion, is there a motion for a resolution levying the uh, general property taxes for the year 2012 to help defray the costs of government for Pickens County, Colorado, and its special districts for the 2013 budget year? So moved. Second. Any further discussion? Does the levying have that amendment? No, it doesn't. No, it does not. Okay. This one doesn't. Uh, all in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Connie and John. And second reading will be held with public hearing on December 19th. That's correct. That's correct. And we agree with that. Thanks. I'm sure the <laughs> <laughs> The next item of business is uh, a review for optional premises permit to existing hotel and restaurant liquor license granted to the Aspen Skiing Company. And we have representatives of the Aspen Skiing Company here. Michael, should I make a motion to adjourn, to adjourn the special meeting first? Yeah, go ahead and do that. I'll make a motion to adjourn our special meeting for today, December 11th. Second. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 So welcome, representatives of the Ski Company. Uh, Jeanette, do you want to just outline what this is about? Well, I don't have too much more other than what's in the AAS, just to say that um, a year ago in February, this coming February, the Board of County Commissioners and ultimately the Department of Revenue State of Colorado 
issued the ski company an optional premise license to for a champagne cart a movable cart on aspen mountain and at this up until this point in time the county has not had any complaints or issues associated with with this so then with that said i think i'll turn it over to the ski company are there any questions for janet at this time yes just procedurally does it need another renewal of that license coming yes yes but this doesn't have that when is when would that be that has just happened their renewal was in they just applied yeah in december for their full um hotel restaurant liquor license um the renewal of the champagne card is part of that license and that's why we're here today to discuss with you okay i'm just a little confused because we're in a work session now a formal meeting now we already did the approval on the liquor license renewal that's coming up at our meeting you the renewal doesn't come before you all it just comes to you yeah all right i'm sorry no that's okay hold on there just say just to explain i think i think we had requested for them to come back and give a little yeah how did it go you know this this what it was is it was a um reallocation of the boundaries of their liquor license which goes into the state liquor license and goes through a i mean i know this because yeah i've done it several times with my patio space um and so it's that gets reviewed through the state and, and through an administrative process but we wanted to make sure after year one that they didn't have any complications i think we had requested right. them to come back it, and it, review and it i before. remember that and i guess i'm just getting a little confused because i know sometimes we'll get renewal applications that we do see for other services further out in the county do liquor licenses periodically come back to this board or once they've been approved they once always they, yeah once, they, once they've been approved we do a renewals administratively the city might do it differently yeah maybe i'm just thinking about the special event permit special events come to join yes well well I, the only question that i really had was um, this is for jeanette no okay well let's let's, let's let the ski company representatives um speak first and then we'll go on that uh, dave do you want to introduce everyone for yes, us yes i would be happy to mr chairman commissioners thanks for having us uh, this is john spears who's the general manager at the little nell and who's also operates the sun deck and is in charge of this particular facility and this is amity ludlow who manages all of our liquor licenses uh, across the whole county in aspen snowmass and outside the cities and we were here rob hit it right on and in your position i'm sorry oh, my position i'm sorry i'm senior vice president of the ski company and general counsel i'm dave bellock uh rob hit it exactly right we came in a, approximately 12 months ago probably exactly 12 months ago which and that's fine record keeping and obtained this optional premises license and the board at that time having not seen an application exactly like that said we'd like you to we're willing to grant the license but we'd like you to come back in a year and give us an update about how it went and whether you had problems or not and i'm happy to report that we had no problems whatsoever it was popular with the guests it, it wasn't uh it wasn't 
particularly crowded on a few on a crowded day. There was a, you know, it, did, it pe people enjoyed it, and we moved it around the mountain. Didn't have a single problem of any sort whatsoever, and we uh, met the conditions. We served food every day. We had two tips trained people there every day. Uh, we didn't have any issues with over serving, and uh, it went great. It was the people who visited it seemed to enjoy it a great deal, and, and it didn't cause any issues of any sort. And so we're here in, in response to the board's request that we come back in 12 months, and, and we're open to answer any questions you might have about anything. Well, thank you for being here. Um, board, any questions? George? Uh, do you have an idea in terms of how many days uh, you actually had uh, this in operation, and then was there an average, or was it busier on one day versus the other? Do you have any sort of statistics? or? I don't have those statistics on me. Uh, you know, we, we really started at the end of February when things start to warm up a little bit. And uh, I, we were operating primarily on the weekends, three, a three-day stretch, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because that's when we felt there was enough volume to support uh, the setup and, uh, and breakdown of the place. You know, the, as far as the number of people served, I, I don't know the exact counts. You know, it could be... We looked at it more in dollars, you know, at $1,500 to $3,000 on, on a given day of uh, selling champagne. It was never, you know, it had good energy, but I would say there's probably never more than 20, 20 people at the location at any given time. Um, so it wasn't a, a big party. It was more of come up, have a glass of champagne. You know, we always parked at some place that had a great vista. People would come up, take their uh, take their photos, and then and then move on from there. <coughs> uh, it was never a big drinking crowd that was going to make a, a day of it at the uh, uh, at the oasis. Then you, does the ski company have any plans to expand this onto any of the other mountains? I wouldn't say we have any concrete plans. We've talked about the idea, and and we. We may, but uh, John has the benefit of having a very high-energy guy, Sabado Sangaria, as his food and beverage director, who really put the energy into making this a reality of building this thing and, and pushing us to get a license. And there aren't too many people in our food and beverage operation that have that much initiative, uh, like Sabado does, to really push, take a program and, and think it up and run with it. So. At this time, while it's something we would think about, we don't have any concrete plans to do it anywhere else right now. The other thing that I would add to this is this really didn't come out of a discussion of how can we drive more revenue. It was really an opportunity to look at how can we generate more PR for the community. And it's adding new things uh, to, to our current repertoire that the press picks up on. And the, uh, the Oasis Champagne Bar as we go back to New York and pitch it to all the magazines and, and so forth, has been a big hit uh, because nobody else is doing it in the country. And it's just something unique that they can promote. And when they're promoting it, they're always promoting Aspen. Uh, and that's really how this came about. We're always trying to figure out how we can position ourselves to get more uh, PR for, for what we're doing in uh, not only at, you know my hotel or my food and beverage outlets, but for the community at large because we benefit from that. Well, and that's when we made our presentation a year ago. The essence of, of the whole Oasis concept is, you know, while we would like to at least cover our costs, it's about having a fun, cool thing for the guests that they don't see somewhere else. So what I always tell people at our employees at our new hire orientations is that it's all of you people who are the bubbles in the champagne glass. And we want people, when you leave Aspen, to, when they get back on the plane or they're in their car to drive home to say, Wow, that was really cool. We want to come back next year. 
and this is just a, another aspect of making an experience that's unique and fun and and something that's special. Very unique. Chad? Uh, yeah, timing-wise, uh, when might you roll that out this year? Probably the same same time frame towards the uh, uh, opening day. It was open. Hmm? Opening day, it was open. Well, it was, it was spring like temperatures. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping we don't see those again. The so. bell lift, and there it was. Sabato was ready with the glass of champagne for anybody getting off. We, we were we were trying to create a little more activity than maybe the skiing yeah, is offering at the time. The um, our first opening will probably be over that President's uh, President's Day weekend. Middle of the month. Then. Yeah. It doesn't work too well when we've had temperatures like minus two. Yeah, mm -hmm. not that. But it certainly could work in Texas. Yeah, once it gets warm a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions? Yes, Rachel. Well, I guess it's more of a statement. Uh, you know, thanks for coming back to report on it. Uh, you know, we appreciate it. We appreciate your innovation, and um, I would imagine that clearly the conditions we put on before are not too onerous for you, and those will continue as this goes forward. Yeah, good challenges. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having us. Good Thank luck. you. See you on mountain. Okay. Keep that snow dancing up, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeanette. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, the next item is a citizen board interview, but it, that is scheduled for 2 o'clock, so it's a little early. Um, we would be back a few minutes early, but we could... Um, uh, we can go over memos of interest. Okay. <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> but, oh, I see there's none here. Um, future agendas, you want to do that? Yeah, we can go over some future agenda items. Um, I guess the, the start with the most uh, uh, one that's going to come to us as soon as just a, we do have our meeting coming up with the hospital board. Um, we, we have settled on three topics. I just want to visit with you about, which is the update on detox, the hospital strategic change, the hospital strategic plan update, and an update on the Aspen Valley Healthcare Alliance. Rachel, you had asked for uh, also an update on the community health assessment, and Liz isn't available uh, for that, and it's not quite right, but some of the discussion will come out in the uh, hospital's discussion of their strategic plan. So okay. um, that, that will be on the, the 17th. Um, had an opportunity to, to visit with um, Steve Barwick and for our subcommittee on the Human Services funding, which uh, Rachel and George, you would, I, I think, were nominated to participate on. Um, we're looking at either January 24th or 25th. Um, Those are both the CCI meeting dates in. Oh, they are. Okay. I'm sure Charlotte has the full schedule if you would like to get a copy of that. Okay. The, Is there uh, any other? Um, the 17th? The 17th works, um, and also I think the 10th and 11th work. Um, what, what month are you looking at? In January. Um, January. Okay. So, did you say the 17th? Um, the 11th? 
Yeah, the the seventeenth works for me, which is a Thursday, and the tenth uh, and eleventh, um, which is a Thursday and a Friday, works for me. Uh, I'm tied up uh, the tenth in the morning and the seventeenth in the morning. Uh, Friday, I'm open on either the eleventh or the eighteenth. I'm open. So the eleventh looks like a better date right now. That looks like the best, and if you want one more potential date, um, George, I don't know if it works with you, but Wednesday the sixteenth mm -hmm. would also be a potential okay. date. So you'd have two to offer. Okay, we will do that. I did see Alan came in. Do you want me to continue on future agendas, Michael? No, I, I think okay. if, um, if Alan's here, we'll, we'll proceed with the interview. Uh, Alan? This is Alan? It, it, it is Alan Feldman. That's me. It'd be excellent. Um, thank you for coming, Alan. Hi, everybody. And uh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. And uh, typically, the interview is just a series of questions from the board. And, um, okay. I hope I can answer answer them. Answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't want to answer them, just don't answer them. <laughs> so, um, board, do we have any questions for Alan? Yes, Rachel? Well, also, thank you for being here today and flying. Um, are you, why don't you describe your relationship with Grassroots TV and why you think um, Grassroots TV type representative is important on the translator board? Um, well, my, I'm the president of Grassroots Te Television. I'm the chairman of the board, of the president of the board of directors, and I've been the president for, I don't know, like four years, five years, something like that. I really don't see, I'm not here as a representative of grassroots, and I don't really see, although it's important for grassroots to be as far-reaching in the community as possible, um, as far as being some sort of proxy for grassroots to be on the board, that's not really where I'm coming from. I really, um, I know what the translator system is, and I applied because I really wanted to be part of some more volunteer citizens advisory boards. I'm always looking to see what's available. And given my experience at Grassroots and the fact that I've also done some other television-related things with my law practice, I said, well, you know, that might be a good board for me to be on. I mean, I don't pretend to know a lot about the various translators um, located in the county, and, and I really don't know very much about what the agendas are like for the uh, Citizens Advisory Board for the translator system. Um, I just, I'm here because I wanted to help in any way I can to the county, and I thought that this would be a board that maybe I have some experience in, but maybe not. But I'm certainly not here as some sort of proxy for grassroots on any sort of grassroots agenda whatsoever. Oh, and, it, you know, excuse me, I may have worded that poorly. I was uh, clearly thinking of Brad having served on the translator board before, yeah. uh, and as he had presented himself, you know, with a lot of experience with both the equipment and the needs of people using the translator system, I thought that might be some continuity there. Right. Um, it, it's not a um, impediment in my mind to serving, and should there be any issue that uh, is more directly related to your role at Grassroots or Grassroots TV, it's something that you can recuse yourself from. That, that's the only reason I had asked, was, right. was, was that part of what was stirring your interest in this? Brad has, you know, galaxies more technical experience than I have, okay? But as far as the, 
desire and importance that we feel for grassroots to be on the translator system and reaching the community. However, I can help in that regard. As long as it's not a conflict of interest, I will. But I'm sensitive about conflicts of interest, and, uh, you know, um, if there ever is one, I would be the first to recognize it and say maybe I should step out of this. Thank you. I'll board any further questions, Alan? Yes, Rob? In, in, uh, in your application, you talked about relationship with Comcast. What are your thoughts about and, and how does that relate to the translator board if, if it does? <laughs> I don't really think it does. Again, Rob, um, my experience with the translator system, as I understand it, is really a physical installation across the county. Um, as far as my relationship with Comcast goes, I don't have any sort of relationship albeit a, a consumer of Comcast, but, you know, we did go through some Comcast things here last year, and I think that resolved itself, however, you know, it could be resolved. Um, you know, again, with grassroots, grassroots wants to have as big a relationship with Comcast as possible, I mean, and, you know, we're always looking to, to make that relationship better and better and better as far as taking any giant steps in that regard and hasn't been all that successful. Um, but I don't, again, I don't really see, I don't really see it as, it would really help me more if I knew what, what the meetings were about in the translator board. What kind of questions? I mean, are they, you know, personnel issues? Is it, you know, importance of maintenance issues? Is it viability of certain stations issues? If I knew more about it, I would be able to answer better. Can I? Follow up on that. Uh, I mean, one of the my my other question that I wrote down is one of the big things that the translator system is is going to be moving a little bit towards is the broadband initiative. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a ballot question last right. year, not this year, about allowing those funds to be used not just for radio, TV, but also um, internet, broadband type, cellular type mm -hmm. things, and how. We take advantage of that and and uh, and use the translator system to provide or or assist in providing rural broad cellular broadband. Um, and and that's a big thing that our board is like recognized as an initiative. So I don't know what thoughts you might have on on that. <laughs> I'm all for it, you know, across the board. However, I can help in in that regard. I would. Be very interested. I mean, I think in this in this time we're living in. I mean, everybody everywhere should be able to access high-speed internet and cellular phone service. And if we can help with our translator system do that, it's, it's something we need to do. I think. Thank you, Rob. Um, board, any other questions? Yes, Chad. Well, Alan, also I would say thank you for your application. It looks like you're well versed in the law, music, and golf. <laughs> you, have, um, you happen to have other experience, uh, background experience in any type, any form of communications uh, other than grassroots. We've covered that. <laughs> My career has been, it was music and then it was law. Um, and uh, in my law practice, I have represented television stations, non, not grassroots. Um, but, Jack, I don't, nothing really is, is jumping out as some sort of incredible attribute of mine within the telecommunications field. 
that would take me over the edge for an application. I wish there was, but there isn't. Well, being straight up works pretty well, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, not so much for Alan, but Phyllis, I uh, just note that in, it looks like we have three of our regular uh, board members. They come up in April for their terms come up. So when do we normally uh, communicate or see what the status is if they're interested in in reapplying in January or February? I believe that starts in February again. Susan and Charlotte manage that system for all the board members that roll over. Everyone rolls over in April. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, thanks. So, Alan, thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you very much. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks, Alan. Fifteen minutes. We got started early, Joey, so. <laughs> and it worked great. Yeah. <laughs> go back to future agendas. Future agendas? Yeah, we're, we're still running early, so. Um, okay. Other thing we wanted to start getting on your radar screen is um, we, we've started planning, um, or we started talking about our annual retreat that uh, we, we do with the board. Um, right now, we're hoping to schedule that around February 21st, 22nd. Um, check in and see if there are any immediate conflicts with that date. We're looking at doing it just a, a few weeks later than, than we did last year um, for a couple of reasons. That we'll give uh, our new commissioner some more time to learn about the organization and, and this year we're also going to do a section leader retreat ahead of uh, the, the board discussion which we haven't done for a few years yes Rachel thank you Michael um, as, as this board knows I will not know until the January vote as to whether I will continue on the NACO public land steering committee from CCI um, CCI has got a tentative date held for 20, February 22nd right now to be able to discuss all the NACO policy resolutions that are coming forward so that all the traveling group, public lands, health, everything else can discuss those and have positions before they get to D.C. And uh, if I fill my calendar incorrectly, that D.C. Um, uh, NACO starts on March 2nd, and so it would be like flying out on the 1st. So that's why the Friday before they're hoping. But that's all tentative. It was just kind of set at the uh, December meeting uh, down in Colorado Springs. So, you know, essentially I guess kind of saying that uh, the day before could work, um, but I, I'm, I don't think those are the best dates going. There's also Club 20 subcommittees meetings those dates, the 20th and 21st. The 20th I'm already going to miss because it's uh, one of our board meetings, which I would make come first. But the, um, the Club 20 subcommittee meeting on the 21st would be when they're looking at their public lands resolutions. And that may relate to some of the other work that we're trying to do. Um, in other areas. So, so, so what are the best days for you, Rachel? Um, it looks like that following week 
uh, you know, I don't know if you want two days in a row or not, but the Thursday the 28th. Um, we have EOTC scheduled that. We have EOTC that. Um, or at least that's what I have in my calendar. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Michael. I hadn't really started thinking about what, what dates work the best best for us here. Um, and, and that's we just wanted to start. We we wanted to start early, getting that out because that's a large time commitment. It's usually about we usually do about a half day, um, a day and a half to to two days. I'm, I'm guessing this will be about uh, half day the first day with a full day the the second day. Um, so we'll keep. We can keep looking for dates, but it sounds like if we even had a half day ahead of the EOTC meeting, then with a full day the following day, that might work. Would the, is that too much? Let's talk about what dates exactly yeah. we're talking about. So I'm looking right now at February 28th and March 1st. March 1st is when I would be flying. March 1st is when you're flying. So for the retreat, you were saying the 28th or March 1st, and March 1st. Well, you were. Oh. I'm sorry. Who was the you you're pointing? That's what. That's. What, I'm sorry. That's Rachel was saying that she's busy those days. Okay. And so we're, we're trying to find out some days. That How about a week earlier in February, John? Is it possible to have gotten accomplished what you're talking? The 14th and 15th. CCC and I. That. Oh. Phyllis and I aren't here. Maybe a better retreat without us. <laughs> so I guess I would suggest rather than try to figure this out now, let's figure out when we'll you guys will be there, yeah. look at Rachel's calendar, and then okay. come up with some possibilities. We can do that. Okay. We can do that. And then um, the, the last thing, which is way, way out there right now, but just to put a bug in your ear that um, we are looking uh, – as an organization, we've been making sure that our staff is meeting their emergency management training um, re requirements, so ICS classes, uh, incident command classes. Um, we have not done a training with the board, and we're looking, we have an opportunity to have uh, Chuck Vale, who's the state's uh, emerg emergency management director, I believe. Um, in town on April 3rd um, to potentially do a three to four hour elected officials training um, for emergency manager. We think that's good timing. It's right before mud flood and fire season. So uh, we're going to be looking at setting up an opportunity for you guys to, to go through the ICS training so that you understand what staff's roles are, what your role is in an emergent event, um, and to you know just make sure we're we're prepared as an organization. So right now we're that that's not a firm date, but we're looking at April third. It'd be about a three or four hour class. Yes, George. Uh, John, there's different levels of training certification, mm -hmm. aren't there? Because we, I know some of us went through a, a, the level one a couple of years ago, and not to say we shouldn't have a review, but how does that work in terms of the different levels? Well, a couple things. Um, it, it's changed. Our structure has changed um, from when you took your training a, a couple of years ago. We're, we're now um, using a, um, tell me about the acronym, but it's the 
Which one are you looking for? <laughs> the incident management system or the uh, emergency support functions? Yeah. The incident management system where the organization's broken up into emergency support functions. So it's a little bit different way of organizing um, in an emergent event. And so um, there are, you're correct, there are different levels. It used to be like 100, 200, 300, 400. I think that is now gone into emergency support function numbers and there's levels even within those. Not quite, but you're close. It's really uh, complex. Uh, the emergency support function for the elected officials training is understanding how elected officials fit within the, actually it's a national structure now. Um, and so all um, counties that adopt this, it makes it really easy when a national incident, a fire incident management team comes in. Um, when you have a wildfire, your system is uh, reflected exactly the same as their system. So it makes it much more easier to, to understand the structures um, and where they fit and how it all blends together. And so we're trying, some of it is, as you can tell, language. You know, you have different acronyms and, and such. There's a, a similar step up, though, in terms of, of levels, but this would be specifically for your role as elected officials in that emergency support function. This way too. Yeah, um, I would like to do that. The date looks good. Right off the bat. <laughs> but um, I, I want to make sure that we're including in there. For one of the things I had gotten from the uh, CCI fire was that there tend to be some informal roles that the county commissioners can be asked to be a part of, and just to have some discussion of what those. There's the whole formal system but they seem to kind of really run the gamut from assisting with food collection efforts to uh, answering telephone calls, you know, at a, a call center to, you know, helping with um, stand-up child care centers so that people could go talk to the insurance adjusters while their kids are at play. And so I'd love to, you know, make sure we have the full picture as well of the, the types of things that may at times be asked. And not, not that, you know, we're... But so I'll just leave you to, to think about that as, right. you know, I, I, I want to note that we all know we can walk in the same direction as things happen. And, and yeah, I think I remember that, that same part, and, and that is something we need to talk about, which is, you know, one is what's happening during the event mm -hmm. and our role. And I, I think that um, broader role, as I recall in the discussion at CCI, was what happens in recovery, um, which yeah. is why you're responsible for lo longer term, and we can definitely have that discussion too, because that is where your roles become a little bit broader and, and you know, understanding what the impacts of the event are on the community. Yeah, I was, you know, again, quite surprised to hear that when they, you know, set up these response teams for their citizens to get their questions answered, they would include things like having the county assessor's office participate or the building office uh, participate because they had all these things they needed to answer what was really the assessed value for my insurance claim or, you know, or things like that. There was just more, and, you know, the four steps are, uh, you know, preparedness, mitigation if possible, then response, and then recovery. Recovery, yeah. And how do, how do we work through all four of those? Yeah. So that'd be great. That's all I have for future agendas. Okay. 
board any future agendas on your part, George? I've got a couple. Uh, John, on January 23rd, right now, under public comment, we have um, two folks com coming up, local government liaisons for Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation yeah. Commission. So I mean, the envision that, that we would have some uh, time for discussion with them or because public well, comment versus uh, sort of putting in a work session time? Yeah, we could definitely. One of the goals was um, more to have an opportunity to, to do introductions, but we could certainly um, schedule some time for a broader discussion. It, it was more that we have a new liaison. Um, we haven't met that individual yet, and so we wanted to invite them up to just do an introduction and put a face and a name together. We, we weren't anticipating that it was going to be topical in that regard so much as, as an introduction. They'll also um, be at our section leader meeting ahead of that. Um, to be introduced to staff and you know answer general questions and, and that sort of thing. So that was the intent there. The other question I have is, um, uh, and I, I've got an, an inquiry about um, a presentation uh, for the Smuggler Hunter Creek uh, Management Plan uh, from one of the one of the collaborating partners, and I noticed that. The city of Aspen had a presentation given to them mm -hmm. uh, recently, and the city council was actually supposed to meet and discuss uh, that plan and presentation in January for for tentative approval. So, and, and I think it has to be approved by both bodies. That that will be in your joint meeting with the Open Space and Trails Board on the um, this coming Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, so you'll have a presentation on that joint management oh, plan okay. in that joint meeting, um, and we, we wanted to do it in front of both the Open Space and Trails Board and Board of Commissioners okay. because there's joint responsibility there. So that'll be part of your packet. Yes, which you know, and I just wanted to note um, that our meeting with Aspen Valley Hospital has changed. In time, I, I mean, I previously had it at 5:30 p.m. and now on our agendas it's 3 to 4. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for catching that. Okay. I had it on two different days, so it was easy <laughs> enough to try to be sorting it out. Any other future? Yes, Jack. Yeah, I had brought this up last <clears throat> week, and I just wondered if you had thought about it, John, about commissioner appointments to chair, vice chair, boards, and committees and how we might get a conceptual discussion before because the agenda says you show up on the 8th and do it. Well, and so the, the 8th is actually the, the work session and then the, the 9th we have a resolution prepared um, based on that discussion, Jack. Um, we, we still need to look, we'll have an MOI coming in front of you on the chair. Oh, so the, yeah, the the eighth is the discussion. The work the workshop. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Somehow it wasn't registering. Right? Yeah, that is a Tuesday, not a Wednesday, which I thought it was. So. Okay, thank you. Now I'll give Steve an opportunity to participate. Any further future agenda items? Okay.
Uh, we'll go on to our interview, if that's okay with the board. Andre, why don't you come forward, please? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just a little bit ahead of time. So, hey, that's perfect. Um, awesome. So we'll get started. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. And the commissioners just have questions, and uh, we'll just start there. Um, board, any questions for Andre? Seeing none. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, George. I'll start. Andre, one of, one of the questions that you answered, uh, one of the top three issues currently facing the board, um, one of your responses was improving the state of knowledge, quote, science related to local water issues. What, how, what are your, what's sort of your, your thought process in terms of how the board may address that? And you mean in terms of what we've accomplished, maybe, or well, this have we done that? Or? Well, again, this is what are the top three issues currently facing your board? And, and this was from this my recent reapplication. Re yes, your, your answer was improving the state of knowledge, science, related to local water issues. So I guess that would kind of apply to if there's when a question arises about a specific area. Let's take the Castle Creek hydro plant thing as one example where I think some of the work that the board did contributed to the state of understanding of that particular issue by commissioning some reports that looked at the hydrology, the ecology, um, and the feasibility of that project um, and put that information that was available to the public, um, whether it was used as well as it could have been, I don't know. I'm sure it could always be used better, but it was available out there, and I know a lot of people did consult that information. And it certainly helped us as a board understand what was going on in that particular issue. Um, that's true also just of the whole waterway, the Roaring Fork, um, well, like the, the section through town that's dewatered. Just understanding a little bit better about the science and getting some experts to come in and, and look at that in a little more detail. So um, I, I don't think the board took actual stance on the hydro problem. It was just more of a, a study. But would you see the board in the future uh, if you are um, authorizing some studies, uh, depending on what the projects are, to, to actually take a stance? and? I would hope so. I mean, that one, you guys didn't take a stance either, right? Individuals did, mm -hmm. but, and that's, that's fine. Um, that's a tough question. You know, where do you get into the, the political, choose a side when you're trying to maybe be more of a clearinghouse of information? But I would say that sometimes that's definitely appropriate to to take a political side if there's, uh, yeah. Right, like say with oil and gas drilling, um, if there were water quality issues specifically related to that that were identifiable, I don't think our board would hesitate to, to take a stance on that. Uh, Rob? Thank you for reapplying. Um, also in that list of things, the third thing that you pointed out was public understanding and watershed issues supporting outreach type things. What sort of ideas do you have for that area? Because I think that's pretty crucial. Yeah. Um, 
It is crucial. Um, well, um, one area, I mean, I can't, I just walked in here from my class from teaching, and I've got a little window here of opportunity, <laughs> a little break, a little reprieve. But, I mean, I do that every day in my job, and um, I'd like to transfer some of that to, to more of the general public and, and make sure that they're getting some of that information. So how can we do that? Any way that we can facilitate that, I think we do, bringing in speakers, um, working with other organizations like the Conservancy, and they, they do a speaker series. We're not going to do our own speaker series or anything, but we would certainly lend support to ACES or to the Law Enforcement Conservancy for, for public speakers and for opportunities like that. Um, so that's, that's one little way we can get the public involved. Um, publicity stuff, uh, news articles, just reports. Um, we had some reporters in our meeting last time. Um, that's another way. Um, point out social gatherings, too, in your reapplication as well, which you put together to get like-minded people to, you know, mm -hmm. talking about the issues. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a couple. Uh, We're open to any ideas <laughs> to facilitate that. Any other questions, Andre? Yes, you made a statement in your uh, reapplication, and you know. Actually, first, I should say thank you for serving as well, and I think you've been an excellent board member, and certainly seen you at a number of the educational conferences and other activities that uh, continue to inform the board's work. But you had commented that uh, commissioners have been well represented at our meeting. This is great when some feedback is needed, and I've been always under. You know, we all have our own way of operating, and these are all public meetings, and so board members are welcome to attend. Um, but it's just important to know that uh, unless it's coming from the body as a whole, it's really just one commissioner's feedback or two or however many are at your meeting. And, you know, we've been a little uh, nervous at times, uh, maybe unnecessarily so, about whether. Uh, there's undue influence to say, no, stop that project, I won't agree with it, when mm. perhaps weighing in with the full board uh, might have a different um, take on it. And, you know, how, how, do, how do you feel that's working in terms of influence versus communication channels? Because we don't have formal liaisons to give Yeah, those. I've seen it mainly as just, not as an influence, but, but just an, a little avenue of communication just to get a little feedback and to bounce ideas off. Um, and I think that's been useful, but I haven't, I mean, usually it's, it's Michael, it seems like, that comes to most of the meetings, and, and he's more in the background, and it's, it's and, and I think it's been productive. And that's my understanding, but I just kind of want to clarify what you meant uh -huh. by the word feedback, and do you think it'd be valuable if our board formalized more of a liaison role on, on boards like yours? I, I don't think I, I don't see a problem with having a, a formal liaison. And if I mean the way it's been so far, it seems like there's been a commissioner present at a lot of the meetings. Maybe not so much more recently. And um, and like I say, I, I think that's been useful. And I 
I personally think it would be a good thing to have um, sure. when it's convenient Thank and it you. works. But Any further questions? Andre, yes, Jack? Yeah, Andre, we certainly appreciate your participation. You, I've had one concern since I've been kind of tracking attendance schedule, etc. And you allude to it too in your comments. Um, is there any way that you can improve your attendance? And I was on a county board for two and a half years, mm -hmm. PNZ. And I know how important it is to have everyone participate. And mm -hmm. I think you've missed about 30% of the meetings. Is there any way you can improve? Mm -hmm. yeah, 10 out of 35, so whatever that is. Um, even more, my I mind. do my best. Um, that seems a little high, but that's what, if that's we what the data shows, <laughs> that's fine. Um, I can certainly try. That's all I can say. Is I can do my best to, to make all the meetings. And when I'm in town, I I come to the meetings. And um, occasionally in the summer, um, I like to get some first-hand experience on rivers and do some research. And so I'll go on a couple-week river trip. And um, I hope you're not doing research all the time. I mean, <laughs> and uh, I think that's when I missed. Missed a couple meetings last summer, but yeah, I, I, my, uh, my schedule is pretty good. It's just um, basically uh, part of July and August that I'm not around. The rest of the year I'm here. Yeah, well, I I'll give you this. It's just to remind yourself what it means. But absolutely, I mean, I think it's essential. Yeah, so we are aware at all meetings as much as humanly possible because it does put a damper on things when, when attendance is low. Well, a lot of talented people mm -hmm. with good ideas, and the way to further those ideas is to mix it all up. Absolutely. So I appreciate the answer. Any further questions for Andre? Thank you, Andre. Appreciate it. All right. It's a great board, and I really enjoy serving on it. So Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much. Andre. Just to peek. Okay. Whenever. Thanks, Jack. Hey, thank you. Appreciate your part, your role in that board. Should we take a break before we finish? Okay. You guys are gluttons for punishment. That's <laughs> Well, do we have the ICUS is open discussion? That's it, huh? Yeah, there's uh, no MOIs, and if we're uh, done with with future agendas, I, I wasn't sure if all the board members had gotten their future agendas addressed. And so, for you, any open discussion, John? Do you have any open discussion? Yeah, just um, <coughs> one item, just to let you know. You know, next week you're going to be getting a presentation on the proposed detox. Uh, facility which we're looking to, to ramp up on uh, December 31st. We chose to do that in the joint session um, with the hospital for board because operationally I think that the hospital and the county um, are, are overlapping the most to, to make this um, proposed detox center work. 
Um, we've been having a, a number of meetings. We had a, really a three between yesterday and today um, with law enforcement to talk about operationalizing um, the, the detox unit. We did meet with uh, neighbors last night to the Schultz building to hear their concerns and, and see uh, if and how we could address those and then um, had a meeting with our other funding partners um, this morning to start to really nail down everybody's commitments and, and how we're going to look at this going forward. It really does seem like we're, we're starting to land on um, something that, that's going to work for us um, moving forward. We, we have a lot of details that, that we're still working out. Um, but more just to let you guys know that we are trying to interface with multiple areas of the community so that we can have this uh, detox ramped up by December 31st. It's an unprecedented timeline on this issue because we've been talking about detox for a long time in the community. And uh, this will be a model that allows us to um, not only have a local detox available for law enforcement, but have um, what we call a warm handoff uh, to make sure folks uh, have an opportunity to receive treatment uh, that they might need and, and get into an appropriate treatment regime. And I know Rachel had an opportunity to attend one of the meetings last night. I don't know if you had anything you'd want to add in. Yeah, I um, met with John and with our staff, with the uh, neighbors at Twin Ridge, uh, last night and I uh, wanted to say first that I thought our staff came incredibly well prepared. Um, someone from the Aspen Police was there, Sheriff's Department was there, uh, two representatives from, um, is it Great West? Uh, Colorado West. Colorado West, that's right. I was thinking retirement, <laughs> DUI. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I, I talked about their, their activities. Uh, Jody was there from um, building maintenance and uh, Nan Sundin kind of facilitated. Um, you know, they do have concerns as a neighborhood, um, and uh, I thought a lot of very constructive comments came out, a lot of little teeny details that just would add to the sense of security in the neighborhood. Um, an example is the bus stop that has been rebuilt did not have the right lighting in it. It was actually like the wrong bus stop was delivered for the platform. The platform was fully wired, but the bus stop itself that came didn't have a light fixture. And so they're having to retrofit it and things like that. So they're improving things like that. Um, there were concerns about uh, procedure. And to me, I think it'd be really great if we go into this next meeting with the hospital with a little bit more of a procedural narrative um, outlined, put together, um, because it's, it was, you know, people were like, you know, it, it, it took a lot of fear out of it, I guess, to say when you talked about the type of screening that would occur of who was going to be at the detox facility. It wasn't the combative drunk that they picked up as part of a bar fight. No, they're not going to be allowed to this facility. Uh, it is perhaps a person who has gotten overserved and uh, they found on a sidewalk you know, and is very happy to be able to detox someplace safely other than the jail and is not going to be, it has made a deliberate choice to be there. But there's a lot of questions about how many people on duty, how does the police respond when there's issues, who gets to be in the facility versus who detoxes here or even has a medical detox 
at the jail because they're so over the limit, oh, not excuse me, at the hospital that they need to be on a ventilator, they need constant supervision. A lot of questions about the training and uh, qualifications of the personnel who would be running it. I think overall um, one of the biggest disconnects was simply how quickly this has come up with Great West closing uh, versus our need to have a new facility up and running and whether the neighbors were informed as quickly as possible. It seems that um, communications had at some level kind of tapered off over the years uh, and a lot of their concerns they brought forward really seemed to have more to do with the day shelter than potential negatives of uh, a detox, although they may have some. And so, you know, it was, uh, again, very helpful for Jody to be there to be able to talk about security procedures at our building as well as, you know, we can have our staff expand um, their care of the grounds of the Health and Human Service facility to make sure um, none of those clients at the day shelter are, are stashing a six-pack in the bushes near the bus stop. And, you know, they were looking to better protocols and perhaps working with the county and the city uh, with the school district to have the bus stop further up the hill, closer to where the residents actually are at Castle Ridge and Twin Ridge so that school kids getting on and off may not necessarily interface the same way with that different population um, because of concerns of being able to tell your 9 or 10-year-old daughter, yes, go catch the bus into town and meet your friends. And, and uh, will they be scared by, uh, at different times by some of the, the people perhaps going into the day shelter? Uh, so there were, again, I thought a lot of very positive ideas that came forward. I think overall the, the, the group there had the sense that they'd love to see the detox center in the hospital itself and not in our Health and Human Service building. I think the hospital had various licensing issues and, and other reasons why that couldn't happen. Uh, but you, you have to wonder, going into their next phases, would it be possible? Or, or should it be possible? Or could it be possible? But I think that is something really uh, with maybe the neighbors and perhaps a county position or not, but with the city council when they're re reviewing the next phases of the master plan going forward. So, you know, again, I thought it was a positive meeting. It was a friendly meeting. Um, you know, uh, different neighbors had different um, levels of concern. Some were, you know, hey, we really haven't had problems before, and I've had friends who've detoxed, and it's not the population you think it is or you worry about. Um, and um, But it, it seemed there was more concerns about just overall neighborhood safety going forward. And, and we agreed that in three months we'd meet with the neighborhood again so we could talk about whether they really are feeling any of the impacts that they're concerned about and what we can do with them. And my, I think, like Rachel said, is a very good discussion, um, and I, I think it's going to help us um, manage the facility better. Yeah. Any further open discussion? That's all I've got. Jack? Yeah, I'd like to take a moment to... Uh, Compliment and thank the organization for putting on the Christmas party Saturday, uh, Friday night. It was uh, well done. Complete thanks for those who were part of the organizi organizing committee. It was really nice to have it down Valley for the sake of, you know, the travel and kind of a trade-off because we'd have it up here for many years. I certainly have to thank uh, Rachel Richards. George Newman and John Peacock for 
the friendly roasting, as it were. Um, and George with Hit the Road Jack, uh, getting the band to do that. That was cool. <laughs> he, he and I had already talked about that. <laughs> so he, he took up the idea. But Rachel, you were very kind, and, and I appreciate those comments. John, you were really funny about uh, the mayonnaise, my infamous lunchbox from Jeanette, one of these past Christmases, and of course, my hats. I ended up with five different county hats and uh, well I guess it just was an example of all the roles we play huh? or something like that but anyway it was all in good fun I, I really enjoyed it and uh, certainly is a relief to be over too so anyway I look forward to the next stage but thanks that was great fun any further open discussion is there a motion to adjourn don't need one. Okay. So adjourning. Thank you very much. I don't know why. Well, that's a dumb idea. I don't know why. I'm going to break down the budget. I'm going to go to work. Yeah, now I can go to the house.